welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thanks, Tim. Great job, mate. You're dropping a message. Come pray with me this morning. Yeah, we bless you, Lord God. We thank you that you are good and that you are Emmanuel. You're here with us and that you're for us. I pray that our eyes are open to see what you want us to see in your word today about you and that our ears can hear the uh, still small voice of your spirit speaking down into the depths of who we are, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that you lift us up, you bring us up, you cause us to lift our vision to see who you are. You love it to be clear, Lord God. You love to meet with us. And we just thank you for this moment that we have right now, Lord God, to dwell on your word, to reside in you, Lord God. And wherever we're at today, Father, I, I thank you, Lord, you just open up our eyes and open up our ears, Lord God, so that it's clear in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you, band. You guys are awesome. I know Tim already said it, but um, thank you. You guys are excellent. You do such a great job. This is Jono. Does anyone not know Jono? Jono, he's single. Unless, unless he's not. Still single. And um, I remember teaching Jono in kids' church. Um, so he's obviously grown a bit, um, and he was just, he, we just used to wrestle, I think, that's part of my kids' church routine is that always have a wrestle, still do, um, but this is Jono, he's, um, we, you, like, carpenter, so he's a bit like Jesus, because he plays the guitar, sings, and he's going to be a carpenter, so it's good, but, you know, he's available if you're single, um, and you're looking for someone, and he's very good looking, uh, pretty easy going kind of guy, um, very, very kind of relaxed, and always having fun and some crazy things. You can sit down now. I know you're trying to get off the stage. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I don't know how I can preach this morning after that communion word. Seriously, how am I supposed to back it up after that? Yeah, you're amazing, Aaron. Amazing. Hey, there's a light here. You, I've never used this. There we go. Praise the Lord. What was that? Your mum and your dad? Both of them, yeah. Praise God. They'll be back next week and it's always exciting to hear what, um, what they did and the things that went on. There's always something random that went on. We saw a little WhatsApp thing come up the other week and Ruth was eating snake. They served them up snake and it was supposed to be a delicacy or something. It was like, whoa, you can eat your snake and have it too. Praise God. Well, God is good if you didn't know that. And uh, it's good to always say that. Uh, sometimes it seems like he's not good, but that's never true. And uh, it's always important to keep your head up because even when things aren't good, good is always there and God is always there. And he's always there and he'll turn whatever circumstance, whatever situation around for, for good. Uh, if you're intent on pursuing him, it probably won't work out so well if, if you sort of forget about him and leave him out. But he is good and I want to share with you this morning about one thing that God wants you to have, and that thing is wisdom. Tim mentioned it, the wisdom 
God wants you to be wise. He wants you to have wisdom. He wants you to have knowledge about who he is. He wants you to have wisdom to know him. That's what it's about. It's about knowing him, about knowing what he's like, about knowing the measure of his grace, about knowing his nature, about knowing his authority. He wants you to be wise to know him. He wants you to have spiritual understanding of God's ways. Wisdom is not just about knowing, but it's about the practical application of what you know. There's no point in knowing something and not doing anything about it, is there? That's not wise. That's foolishness. It is. Proverbs 3.19 says this. Just before I go there, wisdom is a foundation. It's foundational. And by wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. He made it all. He knew about it all. He knew where to put it. He knew where to set it up. He knew how to start it. He knew what would actually work well. In the beginning, God created the heavens and he created the earth. He saw it all before it happened. He knew exactly how to put it. Oh, let's get some water and let's put some spirit into this. Let's get some spirit, some water. Okay, some water. All right, we need some light. Someone get some light. There's some light. Let's some light. There's some light. All right, we need sky. We can't have light without sky. Let's have sky. Let's have sky between that. All right, angels, roll out the excavation crew. We need dry land. We need some earth in this place. We need to have earth. Someone get some earth. We're going to have earth in here. All right, let's, all right, it's time for vegetables. All like vegetables. It's time for vegetables. Let's have some vegetation. Vegetables came up out of the ground. Yeah, he knew. He knew in his wisdom. All right, we've got vegetables. We need some animals to eat the vegetables. All right, I've got water and sea. All right, we need some slimy things. Let's get some fish. And there was fish. He knew where to put them. He didn't put the fish on the land or in the, in the sky. He got the birds. He said, all right, feathers. I can see feathers. Feathers. The birds flying around everywhere. Feathers filled it all up. He put the sun right where it needs to be to actually be in good relation to the earth. He put the sun in good relation to the earth. He put the moon in the sky. He knew how to set it up. And it's by his wisdom and he saw it all. And then he practically applied the application of faith and he spoke it and it was. He did something about it. By wisdom, by his knowledge, he laid the foundation of the whole thing. Now, it sort of got a little bit messed up because one part he did, he said, I'm going to put man in an authoritative position. On this earth. And it was wise to start with until foolishness and sin sort of messed it up. And now the earth is subject to somewhat of decay and sin. But it's not always going to be like that. There's going to be a full redemption. And it's a full redemption for the planet as well. There's going to be a new earth and a new heaven. But he had wisdom and he set it all up. He set up the seasons and the systems and the ecosystems. It all relates. And it's all happening. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. God wants you to have wisdom. He wants you to know him more, know his grace, know his nature and his authority. He wants you to have a foundation of wisdom. Wisdom is not just for old people. It's not some kind of Yoda kind of wisdom. I always think my mother-in-law is a little bit like Yoda. I don't know why you see that's funny. She's powerful and wise. Powerful and wise. 
I don't know where you guys are going. You looking forward to Star Wars? I've got, I've got tickets already. Does anyone not know the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek? Oh, we're going to pray for you guys later on. Wisdom is not just, you will get wisdom as you get older, but the wisdom that God wants to have, wants you to have, is the wisdom of Him. And you can have it when you're young. And if you can have it when you're young, have it when you're young. If you're not young anymore, it's okay. You can have wisdom today. You can position yourself in a place of wisdom. Wisdom is for all of us. Jesus had great wisdom. It says, actually, it says that in Jesus was hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want to know where wisdom is, it's in Jesus. And it's, it's not hidden. It's made available. In there, it's made available in Christ. It says in Luke 2.40, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. So Jesus is born. Eight days later, he's circumcised. He's taken to the temple. They, oh, they dedicate him at the temple. The next line after his dedication is the next sort of information about what Jesus is like when he's young. The child grew and became strong in spirit. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him when he was a child, a baby, a child, young, he would have been really helpful around the house. He would have known what to do. He would have been obedient. He would have just been great, great kid. Unload the dishwasher. Told me to unload the dishwasher. He's like, oh, no, it's not my turn to unload the dishwasher. I don't want to unload the dishwasher. Stop speaking to me. She's like eight. Anyway. He had wisdom. When he was 12 years old, his parents took him to the Passover feast. When they left, they thought he was traveling with some of their relatives. After a day, they realized he wasn't there. They started to freak out. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? After three days, they found him. They went back to Jerusalem. He was in the temple and he's speaking with all the priests in the temple. He's just in the temple, having it out with the priests. And it says in Luke 247 now was that after three days they found him in the temple sitting amidst the teachers both listening to them and asking them questions and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers and so Jesus had great wisdom he had wisdom of the kingdom he started his earthly ministry he preached about the kingdom of God he said repent for the kingdom of God is near and he taught and he showed a practical application of God's ways of what God is like of who God is he showed the wisdom of heaven, the wisdom of the kingdom. We talk about finances every week. We talk about God's ways with finances and they're not the world's ways. They're God's ways. God's ways with finances and it's the practical use of those ways, which is wisdom. It's the practical application of that and it's that simple. So there are two kinds of wisdom. There's a worldview, which is the accepted cultural ideals beliefs and values that people will live, their, will live their lives by. And you can get mixed up between the two. But God doesn't want you to get mixed up. He wants you to be clear about who he is and about what he's got for you. And so people have these ideals and they try to be good or they don't care or, or whatever. And It's just the worldview. Whatever is going on outside of God's ways. Or then you can have God's wisdom. You can have heaven view. You can have his ideals beliefs and values which we can live by and it's that simple and it's wisdom heaven view the ways of heaven god's ways of heaven jesus prayed this 
when he taught, taught his disciples how to pray, he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are citizens of that place. If you're a follower of Christ and a believer in God, you're a citizen of heaven. You're a representative. You're an ambassador of that place. It's just that we're not actually there right now. The heavens are open. We represent him. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you know about it. Maybe you don't. But the values that are in that place is what we represent here. And it's open for you. We speak about kingdom principles and heaven's way, God's ways all the time. And they're God's ways in relationships. We just did a series on relationships. God's ways in your work ethic, in excellence, in healing, in faith, in just the way that you speak, in the way that you give, in the way that you spend your time and serve and raise children, have a great marriage, in the leadership and business and God's ways in farming, God's ways. They're all there in the Bible. They're all there open for us. God's ways are ways of wisdom and it's the practical application of his ways that is wisdom for all of us. And he wants us to rule in it and to run in it. If you think about heaven, What's up there? There's probably a lot of people that you know. Hopefully there are. There's probably some people that you're hoping that are going to be there that aren't there, which is scary. But God is there. Jesus is there. There's all kinds of big angels there. There's big warring angels and there's messenger, big messenger angels and there's probably smaller angels. and There's all kinds of weird creatures covered in feathers and faces and eyes and all kinds of things if you read the Bible and you read Ezekiel and if you read through Revelation, it's like a bit of a tough read, but it's like, what is going on in that place? But it's incredibly beautiful. It's full of grace. It's full of lights. There's no light in heaven. There's no darkness in heaven. Heaven is just lit up with God's presence. Have you ever stuck a torch on your arm or in your mouth or on your cheek? Have you can see the light coming through your skin? The light in heaven is so bright, there's just no shadow. It just goes straight through you. We're citizens of this place and God wants us to have our heads focused up there at Christ and realise that all the time, wisdom, God is in heaven. One, uh, Colossians 1 verse 9 says this, and Paul writes to uh, these people, and he hasn't actually met these people, but he's heard about them, he's encouraged them, he's been praying for them, he's believing the best for them, and he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask you that you, to ask that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. And that is the practical application of wisdom, is just to walk worthy of God. It's just to apply his ways in your life, to love him and to love people, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul prays and he writes to these people and he's believing the best for them. And he says, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God wants you to have a clear vision and a clarity in your mind about who he is, about what his ways are. So there are two kinds of wisdom. There's the world's wisdom, there's the earthly view, and then there's heaven view. And it's important that we live by heaven view. We've got our eyes fixed up there and realize the kingdom culture that comes to us through Christ. All right. Got a few things that I want to share with you, and I think there's four. So number one is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. And this is it. This is deep. Proverbs 4 verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this, 
get wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Get it. Get wisdom. The next line actually shows you the key. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. The starting point for wisdom is just to give it all up for God. It's just to let it all go for God. It's just to say, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus knows all about you. He knows your past. He's got a plan for your future. And he knows the cost. And he says, it's your life for my life. Your life for my life. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. It's just laying it down. Laying it down. It's like trading a tent for a palace. Well, you want to keep your tent, do you? Are you serious? Well, I've got this palace for you. If you live, give me the tent, I'll give you the palace. That's, that's the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Just, just get it, just lay it down. The second thing about the beginning of wisdom is this, and it says this numerous times through the Bible. You will read it at different pla- in different places. Uh, Proverbs 9 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Wisdom starts with that heart after God and just keeping it in a place of reverence. Matthew Henry says this, Those know enough who know how to fear God, who are careful in everything to please Him and fearful of offending Him in anything. This is the Alpha and Omega of knowledge. The best example of a reverential fear is, is a great marriage relationship. There is a deep love. There's a deep reverence. I don't live by what I want. We live together. We do life together. The decisions that I make are not based on me, but they're based on us and the desire for me loving my wife. And it causes me to work differently, live differently, do everything out of a reverential love that I have for this beautiful lady down the front here who carrieth child. I've been reading the New King James Version, and um, it's fun. It's fun. Love you, baby. But it's based on the relationship and the connection that we have with each other. And the fear of God has not been about afraid of God, although there is an element of that in there. It's about having a love connection with him. And keeping that connection and maintaining that connection with him and not letting sin or bad decisions or discouragements or anything take place and break that connection. One of my not-so-finer moments when Sarah and I were early married and I had a moment of selfishness and we had a bit of an argument and we were just like, oh, no, I was just thinking, you're whatever I was thinking and... Put up and, yeah, and as you do when you have arguments, and um, and so I I walked out of that, I sort of stormed out like a like an eight year old, and slammed the door. And as I took another step, this is the, I'd say this is the most clear that God has ever spoken to me. Where's Janelle? I'm always jealous of Janelle. God said this to me, and God said that to me. Well, He said boof head to me. 
That's, that's what I heard. And it was right deep. It was like, oh, and I stopped. I was like, what? You're being a buffet right now. And I realized in that moment it wasn't quite pleasing to him what I was doing. And I thought, well, I can't displease him. And really, I love my wife. So I just turned around and walked back inside and said, look, I'm sorry. You know, I don't know what else I said, but, well, she apologized to me. No. Nah. <laughs> no, but I didn't want to break the connection. I wanted to maintain the connection. I wanted to maintain it's the fear of the Lord which will keep you in, the, in God the whole time. No matter what's going on, if you build a foundation, the beginning of wisdom, get wisdom and maintain the fear of God. Maintain that connection and that understanding of who he is. That he has the authority over your life. And it brings it down to this. Wisdom in its starting is giving your life fully to the Lord and just maintaining that connection. And Jesus loved his connection with the Father. About 600 years before he came, Isaiah said this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. It's a place to delight in. It's not a place to shrink back from. God is never someone to shrink back from. No matter how sinful maybe you've been or how discouraged or how, if, if you think you're not good enough, you're right, you're not good enough, but he's good enough. And he will come near to you if you come near to him. And it doesn't matter what you got, he'll just maybe put a glove on and quarantine you for a while and say, Gabriel, clean up this mess. No, he'll put his spirit in you. He'll put riches in you. Always draw near to God. So the beginning of wisdom, give your life fully to the Lord, get wisdom, and just have the fear of the Lord. Maintain your connection with God. Number two, build in wisdom. Pretty deep. Well, actually, my first point had two points. Sorry. Beginning of wisdom had two, so if I'm confusing you, this is number two. Build in wisdom. You're going to build a life. You're going to build something. You're going to build relationships. And it's important that you realize that. Luke 6.46 says this, Jesus is speaking, and you've probably heard this before, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, and it would not shake it because it was well built. The one who hears my words and does not put them into practice. It's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Pretty smart. The moment the torrent struck, it all collapsed, and its destruction was complete. There's heaps of construction going on in New South Wales at the moment. It's crazy. Cranes everywhere in Sydney and Newcastle. Newcastle's going off. There's just, they're building so much childcare up there. But if you drive past a construction site in the early stages, you see a massive hole. And some of those holes are so big, it's like, why doesn't that fill up with water? Anyway, it's all engineered and all done. But they always have massive concrete foundations. And then you see the big building go up. Well, that building is like heaps far into the ground, sitting on a foundation. Down the road here, you drive past, there's a 
construction going on down here and they can't excavate down to put a foundation in because it's right next to the water so it's probably right near the water table or something so they've got these massive poles and they've got this big machine it's really cool and it basically just hammers the pole into the ground and it, there's like heaps of them it's this pole all these poles just hammered down into the ground and actually over near mcdonald's over here near near there there's a an alcoholic shop there murphy's and then there's a um um what do you call it alcoholic shops never been said before but you heard it here There, Murphy's, and then there's a um, medical centre and a cafe and all that stuff there. That thing is on the same foundation. I remember being over there one day watching this machine just pile drive these massive poles into the ground because it's right next to the swamp, it's right next to the water, and so they put the, the foundation over these pillars and it supports the foundation, is supported by a foundation, is supported by, and then the building. And it doesn't fall over because it's sitting on, on all this stuff. You need a good foundation. And the foundation for you is the Word of God. It's just getting around the Word of God. Being in church and hearing good preaching, like Aaron's message this morning. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Sorry, that was a really old... Um, where was that from? Wayne's World. Sorry. That's, you could be in that generation. Pretty on. Excellent. <laughs> But be around good preaching, be around the Word of God and it's about it being alive in your ears and in your heart. I love what Eleanor said last week about how Caleb always brings a word in. It doesn't matter what they're talking about, he can always reference it back to a scripture about what God is speaking. I love speaking to Ruth Browning. That's her name. Yep. She'll always ask you what is God speaking to you about and it's one of those moments where you're like, what did he say? I'm pretty sure he said something to me the other day. You're trying to think. But no, she'll always talk about God and it's, it's refreshing. We're supposed to be kingdom people speaking about God all the time in our workplaces around us to people we don't know. We're always supposed to be talking about God to each other, sending messages and scriptures and whatever else. Talk about God in your homes and your families. Talk about God everywhere. Talk about the kingdom. Keep it alive in your ears and in your mouth and in your heart. Keep the word of God going around. Just keep it simple. How hard can it be to have wisdom? It's not hard. It's not hard. But I will build a foundation. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Out here, there's a little courtyard, and it's got a piece of synthetic grass in it. Love synthetic grass. Anyone else love synthetic grass? Love synthetic grass. Synthetic grass is good. Tony loves synthetic grass. Bless you, Tony. I have a word for you later. Hey, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence because it's fake. It's true. But um, Caleb and Jono and Luke. Luke is a great guy and Luke is always late for work. <laughs> no, he can be. He's a great worker. My workers. Always wait for Luke to come. They're like, can we have Luke? Can, we, can, can Luke work with me? And there's this like, little battle. One of them will be going on one job, one will be going on another job. And who's going to get Luke? They love working with him because he's so positive. He's a great worker. I got over Like, I'm not frustrated with you, Luke. I forgive you. All right? It's okay if you're five, ten minutes late. We love you having there. 
<laughs> and I hope you feel embarrassed. So, what's I talking about? Oh, the grass is greener out there because it's fake. Now, John O dug it out with Caleb and Luke and myself, and we put some fake grass in there. But we didn't just put it in there. We laid a foundation. And I love a good foundation. We got some road base and some crush at us, and we put cement here and cement there so that when the water comes through, it doesn't wash out. Your life's not meant to wash out. You're not meant to burn out. You're meant to be above all the pressures and the stuff, and they will come. There will be pressure for you. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart of overcome the world. And there will be difficulty unless you stick yourself in some kind of box and no one ever speaks to you, but it might get a bit boring or something. The other week I was just at this thing and that thing and this thing and pressure here, pressure there, and it can get on me. And then Sarah goes, you know, you're grumpy. And I'm like, yes, I do know. And (laughs) so it's up to me to do something about it. So I just started listening to podcasts and I listened to Murray Newman and I was listening to that one a few times. He's powerful, that guy. And he's coming in a few weeks, a men. Make sure you're there because he's going to bring a word, uh, a motivational speaking word. So bring someone, bring yourself and bring three others. But listen to Murray, listen to Chris, listen to Ruth several times and just make sure that my head is not down in all the pressures or down in this thing. Oh, what? what you, you left the job and then a kid ran in the rubber and you had to fix it? Why did you leave the job? Anyway, one of the frustrating things at work. Anyway... So, so I'm just heads in this place and that place. So just listen to podcasts. Just listen to the Word of God. Just get the Word of God going in there and get it in your brain. Get it in your mouth and believe the best. God is good and you will experience His goodness. So fear the Lord, get wisdom, and then build in wisdom on the Word of God. Make sure you've got a good foundation going on, which is the Word. Just keep it simple. Just stay in the Word. Yeah? And then the third thing is wise company. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. And this sort of plays out right through it, out anything that you do. But wise people, godly people, you need to be around godly people. You need to be around godly people. If you, if you get isolated, it's going to rub off. You're just going to leak out all the God. It's going to leak out of you. That's why connect groups are so important. Who's a connect group leader here? So it's Tim. Stand up. Come on, stand up. Let's see you. These are the champions of connect groups. Rossi, are you a connect group leader? On your feet there, boy. Connect groups. Connect groups. So you can see these people. If you like the look of them, because you go to a connect group based on the look of the leader. Um, you can go to one of these people and talk to them after church. Say, hey, you're good looking. Can I come to your connect group? No, it might be whatever demographic that you want to go with. You've got young kids and you want to go to this one. If you've got young kids, you can go to this one. And you've got young kids, you can go to this one. And if you've got young kids, you can go to this one. If you've got young kids, you can go to this one. There you go. But you guys can sit down. You guys have got the boomers, I'm assuming. But connect groups, I went to a connect group for about... 10 years and it was just such a great foundation just being around those people every week every week being in there getting in amongst it it just rubs off on you being in church all the time listening to godly people being around godly people godliness rubs up on godliness when we start our business I realized it was a bit bigger than me so I started going to these business meetings with these 
Christian businessmen and they would have these meetings and I would just go and I would just pick up on things. I would learn from their experiences. I would download from their experiences godly principles about running a business and I still do it. Once a month we meet and I talk to different guys. You know, the greatest professionals in the world have coaches and you think, why does Roger Federer need a coach? I mean, isn't he at the top of his game? But they're just trying to get someone else with perspective, trying to get someone to look in. You need people around you. Maybe you need a mentor or something. You're never too old for a mentor. Maybe you just need someone. God has set it up relationships, so you have good relationships. And maybe you've got some voices that are too close on your inner circle of your friendships and your relationships. You may put some voices, push them out a little bit. Get some other voices in there that are positive, that are encouraging, that are speaking life and speaking God. There's some good people around you. It's very important that you're just not listening to critical people. You're listening to positive. And that's why I love getting around Chris and Ruth. They're just speaking the kingdom of God, and it rubs off. It rubs off on you. And this guy over here, Zach, he's just a very excellent person. He's a young musician. I'd be getting around this guy. Jono? Meet Zach. Zach, meet Jono. Jono? Zach, Zach, Jono. That influence will rub off on you. So who you're hanging out with and uh, get to a connect group. You know, Joshua didn't just become the next leader of Israel. It was like, oh, Moses is dead. What are we going to do? Moses... He's dead. What are we going to do? Is there anyone around here? Can't see anyone. You. You. You can be Joshua. Come and be the leader. No, Joshua hung around Moses. Joshua hung around Moses for a long time. He became Moses' aide. And the key with it was that he would go out and the presence of God would come down and meet with Moses. And, and Joshua would go out there to this place outside the camp and the presence of God would come down out of heaven. It would have been awesome. And then Moses would go back to the people with whatever God had given him. But Joshua would stay out there in the presence. He was just caught out there in the presence of God. And he, when it came time, he just stepped into what God had set up for him. So walk with the wise and become wise. How hard can it be? Find someone wise to be around. All right, so the fear of the Lord... Build in wisdom, walk with the, with the wise, and the end result is that you will have largeness of heart. Fourth thing I want to talk to you about today is the largeness of heart. How about some heart? How about some heart in it? You get some heart going. 1 Kings 4.29 says this, And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Largeness of heart. When you read through the Bible, you just read about some of the victories and the stories, and you think, wow, they had such courage and such largeness of heart. King David, who took down a bear, took down a lion, took down Goliath, had largeness of heart. I think his biggest test was when he just continued to bless Saul when Saul was just always after him, trying to kill him. That was his biggest test of largeness of heart, but he just kept his heart in a wise place with God and he just said, I will not lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. Even though the anointing had come off Saul and it had gotten on him, he just would not go to that place. He just said, honour, largeness of heart. God wants you to have largeness of heart and you will get largeness of heart if you get wisdom. You will get largeness of heart if you get into the Word of God. If you get around some people who've got big hearts, Chris and Ruth have big hearts, big hearts for God and big hearts for people. And God wants you not just to be contained 
in your own heart and whatever cares and worries that come, make sure your heart's just caught up in Christ. Always in Christ, every morning, every day. Tim messaged, uh, mentioned Daniel. I mean, the guy had largeness of heart. And when he was young, he wouldn't defile himself with what the king was offering him. He wouldn't go to that place. So he kept his heart for God. And he, he's the, one of the few people in the Bible who actually went right the way through without a massive stuff up. Daniel. And I think the key to that was his prayer life. But largeness of heart. Your hearts get weighed down. They become small-hearted. That's not what God wants for you. He doesn't want you to be small-hearted. Where you've got too much going on in your head and in your heart, you're just going to lose your dreaming. You're going to lose your vision. And that's what the devil wants to do, to put on people is this pressures and different things so that their hearts aren't overflowing. There's so many people in this church have largeness of heart, overflowing with God, overflowing with the good things of God. There's so many family people in this church, just largeness of heart. So many people just serving the Lord, there's connect group leaders, there's prayers, there's people who are generous, there's all kinds of missionaries come out of this church, there's visionaries, there's hospitable people, there's people that are Christ-like. And Christ had such a largeness of heart, largeness of heart. And I don't know where your heart is this morning, whether you realise you're not walking in wisdom, you're not after it. Can I have the band come up, please? Maybe your heart has got too much pressure and you haven't put it in that place. Maybe you need to get around some people. You let your heart go a little bit. I want you to consider that before the Lord this morning because God wants you to get wisdom. He wants you to build in wisdom. He wants you to walk with the wise and he wants you to be fully alive in Christ, always with learning eyes, always with an open heart to him so that your heart is in a place of overflow. It's not just in a contained place. It's not just being pushed and battered and pushed into a place where it's just stuck. He wants it to be overflow, largeness of heart. Get around some people that are largeness of heart. Get into the Word of God this week and make sure you're intent on asking God for wisdom. God bless you today. Come on, why don't we stand and pray? We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.